for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and next to me over in Des Moines to, would be to my left. You guys can't see me, but he's left of me right now, just in Des Moines is justin fabian what's going on man oh not a lot just made it through another week it's friday night and, uh, <laughs> another <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep still still kicking still got a pulse still no job but still breathing <laughs> oh you got a job you got a job you're you you're doing the landscaping thing right now yeah yeah i'm trying we're working on it it's uh slowly but surely which is nice man it really little side is. Like hustle yeah, it, it's a nice change of pace. I really, I'm not giving up the camera, that's for sure. But it's just a nice, it's nice to have something else to depend on besides a camera. And I don't know what it is about mowing grass, man. I just, I love it. It's like so, it's so pleasing to look behind you and see the result immediately. Not wait for it, shoot it, I, edit it, do color correcting, audio. Ugh. <laughs> that's what I love about it. Like I. I'm the guy that you gotta have. I gotta have straight lines, as straight yeah. as I can get them. Oh yeah, it's gotta look like Augusta, you yep. know, 18th green. Gotta look. It's is. It's gotta look as close to that as you can get it. Absolutely. So like, like, yeah, it's like an art form, honestly. And then how you said it's an immediate like accomplishment, yep. like right when you're like it's immediate, <laughs> you know, right there. Like I just did that. That's awesome, you know. Yep. And then I crack a beer and just look at it. It's all look at it oh yeah <laughs> yep about four more years and you're going to be out there with your white new balance shoes and your daughter's going to be bringing you the beers and you're 100%. just gonna you're probably going to be a little thicker on the midsection and you're just going to look back on a on a sunday after you go to home depot and be like yeah nice, nice yard nice yard <laughs> i i hope i hope i'm not a little thicker around the around the midsection but no, i probably I will have cut off <laughs> I will have cut off jorts probably in a cut off t shirt with yeah. like a knee brace on, the white new balance with the white socks and yep. just some of these god awful five dollar sunglasses from the gas station. That oh, yeah. is in my future probably. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's it's in all of our futures I think, but, but yeah, I mean I, I live in downtown Des Moines. I've I've got a fairly big yard for being as urban as we are, but I mean, I even, I bought a 54-inch mower, and I'm, I I 45 it off the front of the house. I change directions every time I mow. Like, I even oh, yeah, mow my neighbors. You. I even mow my neighbor's yards, like, to the left and right of me. And uh, 
I do them so like when people drive by, the pattern is visible, like uh, the changing pattern. I, I do so, the like, same thing. I, I I mow it like quartering to their house. I mow it quartering away from my house, and then on the next one down, I go back to quartering too. So it's like it changes and it looks perfect every time. <laughs> Dude, I you're I do the same exact thing. I'm I'll make sure it's the right angle for how people drive by my house so they can see the lines for like the longest time where yep. they can see and it's never <laughs> like if the if the road's running north and south, I never run north and south. No. Like nope. it's got to be cut in the you know, it's uh, yeah, I totally get it. It's I thought I was the only crazy kook out there that did oh, that, no, but man. uh yeah. Uh, even like when I'm driving like along the highway or like just just like on on 235 or 35 here like around Des Moines like going to shield or something like when you're going on an on-ramp and like it's like just a big never-ending circle i just look out like between the highway and the on-ramp and it's like man no one's mowing that grass like i'd love to just go mow the go the meat i want to go mow it mow, mow the median or mow the on-ramp like oh that'd be so great <laughs> dude i do the same thing and then sometimes you look at like somebody's yard you might not even know him you're like what the hell was that guy doing like why is he cutting like that and your wife looks at you like what are you talking about i'm like that guy like yard yard wrong (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh yeah we just went on a five minute dissertation about how to mow your lawn (laughs) yep hashtag dad life anyway let's get (laughs) yeah let's get to the meat and taters of this today great episode with greg litzinger from new jersey the bow hunting fiend a lot of guys have have heard about him um just another good episode i mean a lot of a lot of bs in this but there's yeah i mean there's some good points in there he he hunts a lot of public land salt marsh which i didn't even know really what a salt marsh is but we talk about that he talks about you know, his shoulder is all jacked up and he's hoping that he'll even be able to hunt this year. And then trail cams, he's running trail cams this year for the first time he's ever ran trail cams ever in his life. So it's a good one. Blows my mind. Yeah. It blows. I wish never run a camera. I wish I could be that guy. I wish I could be like, cause you don't run cameras right now. And I think before you used to, you know, and I think at heart you, yeah. Like right now, I've got 12, uh, 11 cameras out right now. <laughs> yeah, dude, if I, trust me, if I had a lease or if I had my own farm here in Iowa, like if I was invested into the specific animals that I'm trying to maintain, I would probably have, I'd probably be a camera whore, you know, but yep. yeah, I've, I tried my first came to Iowa, they get stolen. Like if they, if they don't get stolen, they get smashed. People take the cards out of them. Like people are just. I'm sick of people that just are out there to try to tip the odds in their favor or take your shit. And it's like, come on, man. We're all just, it's public land and it's, it's just frustrating. So I don't even Makes it not fun. No, it's like, you do all that work and you try to do it right and try to find a good deer to hunt. And it's like, oh, well, camera's been soaking for a month and now it's not there. I just drove an hour yeah. out, hour, hour and a half to put it out, hour, an hour and a half to go back and get it just to find out it's not there. And it's like, well, all right. I, I mean, I'm all about being competitive with yourself, but like if you were to ever kill a deer or an animal, even any of my buddies or even, they didn't have to be my buddies, but if, if the first thing I think of is like, damn it, he killed a buck. Now I need to kill one. If I yeah. ever... I've never felt that way, to be honest with you. But 
I feel like if I ever did, I don't need to be doing it. I'm doing this for the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah. Like, the first thing, if anybody sends me a picture, you send me a picture or something, deer down or a text or something, I'll be the first one to try to call you or just be like, dude, super pumped for you. You know, yeah. and that's just the way I am, I guess. But it just gets sickening because I see, I have people pretty close to me that, it ruins hunting for other people because of how they are when it comes to hunting. Yeah. No, it's, it's unfortunate. And that's exactly, you're exactly right. It ruins it. It's, I, I won't even leave a tree stand in the woods, you know, on public land. I take that back. Yep. Sometimes, sometimes I do, but I will. Well, if you're coming I'll to take hunt out, like the next morning or something. Yeah. But I'll take out like the bottom two steps. So no one's getting into that thing unless they carry steps yep. of their own, but um, right. Either way, it's that, and like I, I think like if you have too many cameras, you start hunting based on what the cameras. Like you go from having you know ten cameras you got to go check to having ten cell cams, and you're not going to hunt unless you wake up and see the buck coming back into bedding, and you know you got to stand in front of him. It's like, and then you don't hunt if you don't see that. It's like, well, that's stupid. Like, yeah, you call it being effective and you know utilizing your time, but. You're not. It's like you're not hunting unless you know for a fact that that deer is going to walk by your stand. That's the, it's not much of a hunt to me. Yeah. No, I, I, I get it. I agree. It's kind of like a, I have a love-hate with them, really. I mean, it, I used to be the guy that was like, I need to check my cameras every five days. Like, I'm so excited. I want to see what's on there. Now, last, I'll say probably the last two seasons now, like, I've got – 11 cameras out right now I put out a week ago I have no desire to go check them I mean obviously the bucks aren't like developed where they need to be or where you want them to be yet but like I don't not that I don't have the desire to go check them I just the last two years have opened my eyes on you know the one acre farm where I leave cameras marinate don't go in there don't touch them and like the deer just they just surround it they surround the one acre, they surround that area, and they just live there. So it's yeah. like, okay, really, I mean, I'm more leaning towards, like, just, you know, let it go. Use that information for, you know, next year, the previous year, try to get a bead on something or, like, how they're moving through there. Yep. And then just go hunt it. You yeah. know, whatever happens, happens kind of thing. Yeah, and that's, honestly, man, to me, that's that's 80% of the hunt is to to learn, adapt, move, like, it doesn't, it's not about picking one specific animal. To me, it's about being in the right place. Because if you're in the right place, there's going to be plenty of deer that come through it. You know, and it's... 100%. If, like I said, if I had my own land, if I had a lease or my own farm, and I was more invested in the individual animals, like, and I knew what I had, then yeah, I'd probably be a little more picky and target and, you know, shoot for different management reasons. But when I go out in public land, it's like this is enough work as it is and it's far enough away from home where I, I just want one to come in range. Like I just need to get within 30 yards of where this thing's going to cross a ditch or feed on acorns for 10 minutes, you know, or whatever the case may be. Like I just need one. I don't care which one. Yep. That's it, man. That's it. And that's the thing, like farms around my farms around here too. Like every year there's at least a buck that I want to go after. Every year, there's usually a buck right there, you know, in the area, on the farm, doesn't matter. I've been fortunate enough to have like two or three 
in the last couple years. So it's like, okay, you know, whatever shows up, shows up. And I had a lot of fun last year with my Iowa deer and Kansas deer and Casey's buck that he shot in Kansas. Those three bucks were shot and were never on camera, never on trail cam. I mean, we didn't run trail cams in Iowa, but, you know, our two bucks that we shot in Kansas were all mystery hunts. You know, mine especially, we were just like, yeah. where do you want to go? And I'm like, let's go to the road stand, you know, and, and just see what happens. And yep. he walks underneath, and I'm like, happy as a clam. Yep. You, know, you just never know Take what's going to show up. Yeah, I like that. I like that aspect of a hunt. Yep, I I agree. Speaking of speaking of never knowing what's going to show up, uh, so it is it is Friday night right now, May 29th, 9-21. And uh, as soon as we're done That's recording. Central Standard Time. Central Standard Time, <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> We're uh, got the truck packed and we're finally headed to Montana. We didn't we didn't get to go do the bear hunt two weeks ago because we couldn't get the dogs into boarding because they were still closed. So um, I mentioned it last week, but we're gonna be driving through the night, trying to get some time and get to Montana tomorrow and hunt bears for a week. There you go, man. Well, good luck to you on that. When everybody's listening to this, you'll probably be hunting on Tuesday. I, I hope so. So. It's- Looking like a hopefully you'll be great week. <laughs> there you go. I'll uh, make sure to keep the IG loaded with uh, if you can if you get service and send me back some updates. Yeah, uh, and I'll throw them on IG and just kind of let everybody follow along a little bit on that throughout the week, and hopefully sure. you can kill one and like you did last year. Yeah, hope so. Hope we can kill two. Ellie's Ellie's shooting first. Oh, that's right. Uh, Ellie's got uh, a tag too. I forgot about that. Yep. Yep, taking that new, taking the man bun rifle, the six five PRC, <laughs> and uh, the man bun. Yeah, it's the man bun of rifles, if you ask me. But I just, I just can't argue with, with the range of the thing, man. It's it's nuts. So can't argue with the results. Yeah, she's shooting that, and uh, I'm actually packing a, a thirty five Remington, a lever gun, open sight. Because uh, really, yeah, if anything happens close range, like. Even if it just happens to cross our path, um, if she hasn't shot yet, I'll be wheeling that lever gun pretty freaking quick. And uh, right off the hip, shooting oh, from yeah. the hip. Well, that's what happened to me last year. I it was like a it was like a sixty yard shot with my three hundred eight. Just walked up on the road in front of me. Now I'm like, son of a bitch, it was bow range. <laughs> and I'm like, if that happens again, I'm I'm sending a two hundred grain Hornady at it. Out of a lever action rifle, that'd be badass. Well, I'm excited for you. I hope both of you kill and yeah, send me updates so I can let everybody else know. I will. And uh, good luck, man. Hey, thank you. You guys, good luck. Now we're going to get with this interview with Greg. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Fall Podcast. And today, we've got another return guest, Greg Litzinger, the bow hunting fiend from uh, New Jersey. What's going on, Greg? Hello, guys. Doing good, man. I don't even know. <laughs> it's been a, a hectic, a hectic spring with everything that's going on and family life, and just it's it's been rough. This is a it's a rough couple months. Yeah, man. that's an understatement. <laughs> 2020 can just take a take a hike. I think. Yeah, it has been hectic, and I, I you know, I was kind of talking to you a little bit about uh, you're having shoulder issues. Is that the case? What's going on there? Uh, hurt at work, which is good and bad, I guess, uh, but. Yeah, I gotta get a that's something with my AC joint. 
a ligament or tendon attached to it might be torn, so I got to go get an MRI. And if it's torn, it's one of those the orthopedics. Like if it's torn, you can't really work around it because it just creates more problems. So it's uh, you know without knowing, without getting an MRI, he didn't want to get in you know, too deep with it. But he's like, if it's torn, or we got to go in there and fix it, and that pretty much means, uh, yeah. I don't know. What you won't be drawing a bow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. I'll be shooting shoot with a mouth pad, you know, and a, a left-handed bow. Yeah, jeez. Um, oh, man. But what sucks is, you know, going to Montana. I'm supposed to go to Montana for two weeks. And my buddy's supposed to go with me. He, from what I read on their, their website, I can get a refund because I have a medical emergency. He cannot. So it's like... Ow, well, that sucks. You know, and I yeah. can't transfer my license to somebody else, uh, I don't think. So it's like, so, I mean, we got friends out there. He, uh, I don't know what he's going to do. He probably won't have to go because you can't use a $1,200 license. <laughs> what, do you, exactly. what, uh, what tag do you have? Like, what are you going out to chase? Elk. That must be the elk combo. Yeah, yeah, yeah elk, elk and mule deer. I got you. So this is your first Western trip, isn't it, for elk? No, I, I went three years ago. Oh, did you? Uh, okay. Yes, and my, my buddy Tim, uh, he moved out there was it, two years ago, and he's been all over the elk, all over the deer, killed a really nice whitetail. You know, he's on some mule deer. Uh, I'm hoping to go out there in a couple of years and go whitetail hunting, opening, you know, opening weekend, because he's trying to some big deer man big deer <laughs> yeah that's that's one thing nice. that's one thing that really intrigues me is that like out west whitetail you know what i mean out west is like that montana or you know the dakotas or something like that like that intrigues me it's just a different ball game out there and i want to we should get somebody on uh, that does like exclusive whitetail out there and talk to them because i i just that's something i want to do someday for sure yeah, that's like Tim was telling me. Like a lot of guys that whitetail hunt out there, it, not many people bow hunt. And they're like, "Well, I'll switch to the rut and shoot them with a rifle from 300 yards yeah. away." Because you know the the deer and elk season start at the same time, and people are like elk, whitetail, ah, whitetail. You know, they're, they're all love struck in November, so most people right. just they gravitate towards the elk. And usually, elk yep. and whitetail, you know, you'll get the mule deer and elk, from what I understand, but you'll get a lot of all three in the same area. So if you're going out there for whitetail, you're usually like, you're going to see whitetails. Right. Uh, That's crazy. Well, so what are you, what are you doing right now for shoot? You, you're not shooting your bow at all then? I, I haven't done anything. Dude, that is crazy uh, for you. <laughs> you're shooting yeah. your bow every day. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, we're doing some projects around the house. I really haven't been shooting much to begin with. Uh, just trying to, I'm going away for four weeks this year between whitetail and elk. I'm, I'm trying to be the good husband and knock off some uh, work around the house. And then this happens, and it's like, oh, this is great. <laughs> this is fantastic. And it can't really happen at the worst possible time. You know, like two months ago, this would have happened. I could have got surgery, and I would have been, I could have probably made it work. But if I got to get cut. That means, you know, my whitetail season here is in jeopardy with my trip to Montana. So. Man, 
That sucks. <laughs> that yeah, sucks. I feel for you. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, stay as positive and and focused on uh, what I what I can control. You know, like it, if it's not torn and physical therapy, three weeks I'll be ready to shoot. A, you know, I can shoot in three weeks. I'll be ready to go. You know, shoot 55 pounds or whatever. But I don't. I don't mind. You know, right. Uh, uh, three weeks, you know, three and a half weeks is all I need to get ready for, for shooting. Uh, so the sooner I know what's happening, the better. So well, if I can control that situation has. there, you know, physical therapy and maybe wait till surgery till, you know, the February or something that I, that I can make that work. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. What's that? What, what's your opinion on crossbows? <laughs> there he, he said You'd it right there. You'd rather shoot a mouth tab? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I personally, I, I'd rather do the mouth tab because say say no more. <laughs> yeah, with with the crossbow, I, if I could, I shoot eighty yards, ninety yards. Like to me, it's like eh. If the mouth tab thing don't work and it, and it comes like like November or late October, then I might have to try a crossbow just because I got vacations planned. You know, it's like, well, right. you know, I, like there again, you know, I got time off work. I can't change my vacation. So right. it's whatever suits. If I can get accurate enough with the mouth tab, you know, 20, 30 yards, then that'll be what I, what I choose. If not, then I'll have to shoot it for this <laughs> you fit, you faded off there pretty fast. And, and if I do, yeah, if, if I do shoot across, I told my buddy, I was like, I'm taking the scope off. I just put iron sights on. I got, I got to keep it somewhat of a challenge. I commend like, that. Know, like, I commend that. I like yeah. that. <laughs> there you go. You heard it here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you uh, is that going to be your plan then? Mouth tab first. If you do have to get surgery and everything, just try to learn on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, my buddy has a left-handed bow from his his uh, son. It's like fifty pound, fifty pounders. You know, it's short draw. So I'm. I'm thinking a 20, because I'm a 29. I'm thinking probably a 26, maybe I could probably shoot. And 50 pounds. I got hours here that'll work. Be, you know, had to put a lot of weight up front, but I can make it work. That 20 yards is not that difficult, I don't think. Yeah. What, uh, what goes into, like, those mouth tabs? Have you looked much into them? Have you ever used one? Like, how the hell do they never even work? Use, yeah, I never used one. I, I seen Dudley had his and a few other people. I've, Paralympic archers is basically just some material you you sew on, you sew around your veins, just bite down with your teeth and let it rip. Really? Hmm. Yeah, it, it's yeah, not. Dirk Dirk Durham did it last year for yeah. part of the uh, elk season. Yeah, and he he killed didn't he? Didn't he kill an elk? Yeah, he killed one with it. Yeah, that's uh, crazy. So it's 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 possible. The hardest part for yeah. me from from a like from a whitetail standpoint is. Some spots I can't hunt from the ground. Uh, it's too thick, so it's like, hmm, uh, all right. So if I do have to go that route, it's going to change uh, uh, how I do things. I think I'm going to be forced pretty much just to hunt uh, areas where I know, like save save my time and energy for for the rut when you know deer are a little stupid, dumb, somewhat. I think yeah. I'd, have, I'd have a I'd have a hard sell in like October. But 
you know, anything's possible. Are those mouth tabs pretty hard to shoot out of a elevated stand or something like that then? Or is it just not a lot of guys do well, it? No, I, I mean, I have one arm, so I don't want to climb the trees. Oh, true. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. But like a lot of spots, you know, the marsh and you're just, there's sticker bushes, briars and, and cattails. So ground hunt, right. you know, it, it's doable, but um, I have to probably go in there in September and you know, make sure I can actually hunt from the ground in some of these areas. Yeah. Which, you know, it is what it is, you know. Beggars can't be choosers at that point, right? <laughs> For sure. You just right. want to get in the yeah, woods. Take what you can get. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you and I are talking a little bit about how this year you're taking like a total different approach on like scouting and your hunting. Yeah. So, you know, before you're kind of, you're a guy that has a lot of different spots that you go to in a lot of yeah. different areas. And this year you're kind of honing in on one. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm one of those, you know, um, this big check, uh, chunk of salt marsh. You know, it's, you know, there's a, a few put together basically, but it's, you know, 6,000 6, plus. Now, acres. what is a salt marsh? Like, what, explain to everybody that doesn't know. I don't even really know. what What is a salt marsh? It's uh, pretty much, I'm, I'm right on the Delaware Bay. Um, it's a title, heavy, heavy title. Okay. Flats. Uh, you know, I've, I've had my canoe literally in the Delaware Bay before, get, riding the tide out, and then you, know, you ride the tide back in. Yep. But pretty much it's just, just tidal marsh where the, the tide, you know, rising, is, rising falls, I guess. So probably not a lot of timber, I'm guessing, out there. It's just a lot of cattails probably and just cattails, lower areas. little islands. Yep. Yeah, little islands. And, and, and the main end, a lot of it, some of it's public, some of it's private, but some of these, some of these older bucks, they just, there's these little red, remote islands. There's, you know, remote, there's a lot of them, there's acorns out there. You know, they're, the island's not tiny. Some of these islands are, you know, 50 yards by, you know, 80 yards. And some of them, well, most of them have oaks on them. Yep. So if the oaks are dropping, you know, it's just, they're just hanging, hanging on these islands and just bounce around between these islands before they get to the mainland. So, a scenario here. What if if you're out? Let's say you're scouting and you find what you think is a really good buck bed, but there's like no trees around for like a half mile or, or a quarter mile or whatever. There's just no trees to get into. Like, what is a? I guess what is a tactic that you're trying to you know hone in on that might be able to get close to that bedding because I know you love to get close to bedding. I mean, if you're yes. – you've killed bucks literally getting ready to lay down in their bed, which is unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've had lucky a few times. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, the, the, some of the areas, the, specifically like the salt marsh, it's, you know, another reason I kind of like this is if I do get surgery, like I've kind of – been messing with this area for a couple of years now and I plan on doing a lot of ground hunting in this area to begin with like uh, either I can't take the canoe out now but I have a longer walk but chest waders you know you, know, you catch the tide right and uh, you can go you know, pretty far out and just sit on the ground and you know it's 
some of this is called, I, I call it salt marsh grass. I don't really know what it is. It's, it, and there's like little patches of reeds and these low patches of grass. Well, the deer kind of expose themselves enough where you can actually shoot. So you just kind of, you know, nestle into a spot and uh, make like a little blind like duck hunters do out of reeds and just bring it with you. Sit on the ground with a, a stool, a little a muck stool, and put your little uh, reed blind up. And it's kind of nice because you can set up and you you set yourself up where the deer are actually quartering away from you as they're coming out of these uh, reed areas into the into the salt grass. So the, your draw is kind of protected because they're looking away from you. And you know, I've killed a lot of does. I've killed a lot of you know younger bucks, a few good bucks doing this you know years ago. So I'm trying to ramp it up and target bigger deer, which is going to be tough. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, especially out because yeah, I mean, especially this year, <laughs> right? Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, I've seen a lot of your Instagram stuff, and I mean, you're out in the middle of nowhere, finding yeah. beds and finding sign, and I'm just like, man, uh, like your gears must be turning. You know, you're talking about, yeah. uh, you know, hunting from the ground. Have you ever seen that new? Um, well, you know, the Primos double bulls that like have the surround view. You know where you can mm-hmm. it can't see in, but you can see throughout. Well, they made like a half one that folds up for like turkey hunting and bow hunting. Have you seen mm-hmm. that? It's like a hundred bucks. Um, actually, my boss Casey got one for his son for turkey, and he's got a younger son. This thing is light. Mm-hmm. You can pack it, carry it. Like I might get one just for like hunting on the ground. It is the coolest thing. It's so light. You can stake it down, and it's only two sides, and it's got windows in it. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, would that that should be an option too? Maybe I could do that and then put reeds on it. There you uh, go. Yeah. So they should and use something like that, or because I've I've done various things in the past. Like we've made our little reed blinds, or you just you know get find it sit in a ditch where your your silhouette's down low, and usually out there the deer for the most part they're not expecting danger to be in so many spots. Like, like it's almost like the little safe zones because very few people are going to walk that far out. And if they are, usually it's like the hunters and they don't really bother deer. So I've, this year I experimented a little bit. The deer will see you and they just kind of keep going. It's almost like they're like, well, whatever you're not, you know, you're like a clamor, you know, a, a fisherman or, or like a duck hunter. And some of these deer are like, whatever I'm, they're not really worried about you granted i didn't see a, a mature buck <laughs> but i've seen those and if you know the rut november you get those that are coming through there maybe catch a buck being stupid i don't know yeah definitely get them in that time where they're just you know they don't even love <laughs> exactly yep I mean, justin he hunts on the ground he killed a real good buck in iowa yeah. was that two years ago uh, yeah, my first year here. Yeah, two years yeah. ago, no blind with a camera. I mean, unbelievable footage and great hunt. Like, I just, I still can't get over that you did that. You know what I mean? But same kind of way, like, you rattled them in, didn't you? I mean, it was a blind rattle, and it was in yeah. in November, so get them when they're stupid. Yeah. Yeah. They make this uh, little errors, you know, that you capitalize on. Yeah, I'd, I'd seen a lot of activity the previous 
two days too. Like I heard Chasen, I heard grunting. I saw Chasen. I mean, there was bucks running everywhere. So yeah, I knew it was right time to just be that aggressive, and I could get away with it. Like about to tell you, I, I I started hunting a lot more on the ground since then, and it's awesome. Like it's I still it's film so everything. Yeah, that's that's the Go hardest ahead. part trying to film. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, but if I can if I can leave a stand and sticks back, I don't mind carrying all the camera gear and tripods. You know, it's true. Yeah, that's uh, that's one thing I I still got to figure out if I do hunt from the ground, how I want to set up a camera because I want to film again this year. I I, I stopped filming because I let too many good bucks walk, and now I'm getting it's to film again. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm thinking like a tripod, and I want to make take my camera apart. And put it on the top so I got like the, the a two arm swivel on top of a tripod so the camera yeah. is away from the tripod and not on the tripod I can maybe swing it a little bit better without so much arm movement that'd be a good idea nice yeah that'd be great I feel like you probably have to what have you tried it yet with getting that double you know the double arm out there it might be too much weight for the tripod unless you yeah. got a pretty good beefy tripod yeah i'd have to give it a whirl because i know like in the marsh like i know like i got a seat um and you know so duck hunters muck seats there's a little i guess the pole with a you just stick it in the mud and there's a little uh like a cone shape and it goes down and that cone stops you from going any further and it it you know, it's in there pretty good. I was thinking the same thing with a tripod, like do something, not oh, jam sure. that thing down yeah. in there. So it's steady, bounce it out. And then, you know, I can make moves. If I got to make fast moves, you know, the tripod is going to be stationed. Yep. You know? Yeah. You uh, wouldn't even but, have to move the tripod if you got basically a camera arm on it. Yeah. You know, that, that's, I got all these things in my head, but I probably won't end up doing anything because I probably <laughs> won't have time to test anything out or I'll try and go out yeah. first day and just mess up filming or mess up on the deer. I, I do have a, a head strap from Solvid. Um, I messed with that a few times last year. That thing's legit. It's great footage. Um, I have my big, not big, but the, the big Panic, Panasonic like HV770 or something. It's kind of big and clunky, but it great footage. There's a little app on your phone. You can see where you're aiming it. Oh, nice! But it, yeah, it's it's cumbersome. It's not very comfortable. It's <laughs> yeah, probably the best word. But it got good footage. You got this camera strapped to the side of your head. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's it, look, it looks ridiculous, but it's great footage. <laughs> uh, one thing that I when I first like met you and did a podcast with you, when you were talking about how you get so close to beds. And then I saw that video. What buck was that? I mean, you literally was it was a morning hunt, wasn't it? When that buck mm -hmm. you got in to the you got up in your stand, you were mobile, got up in your mm -hmm. stand, and that buck came back in and it was literally getting ready to lay down, you shot him, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Was, he was five yards away from me. Six yards or something like that. man. Jeez. And he had no idea what was there. Like I had those bricked down because like two little ledges and he was I think he was betting on this ledge as a, the wind was perfect, like the leeward side, but he can, there's a little open spot and he can see like the, there's like two trails below it. And I think he was just sitting there just watching everything. He could see any deer come up this one big 
trail that kind of came up and then the, the two side hill trails. And he was just sitting there just showing, just, I'll sit here probably all day long looking for does. You know, he was, he was running up Tarsal Clan on October 20th. His Tarsal Clans were stinking. He was all swelled up. Like he was definitely in, in the hunt for the ladies. <laughs> now, was that, was that a bed that you had scouted before or was that kind of like, yeah. It was. So you yeah, knew it was I, there and you knew you were going to yeah. try to hunt that kind of like yeah. a, like a, you would almost like a bait pile in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, it's there. I'm going to go try to hunt it. Yeah. And that, my method of doing that, like I said, was through trial and error of trying to hunt low in the morning and beat them back to the bed and all these things. And I never seen a deer doing that. There's too much movement, too much whatever. So one day I decided I'm going to sit on this bed. And the first time I sat on the bed, I shot a big, you know, he was uh, 120 inches. He was six, you know, A's at like six and a half. But same thing, He, I shot him coming back to bed. And I'm like, this is way easier. <laughs> and I tried it again somewhere else and had bucks come in. I'm like, oh, this actually works. It was basically out of frustration I tried it, you know, more than anything. And then with social media and, and spending time on, on the internet, you know, you hear of other people do it, and it's like, all right, it's not that crazy. It's aggressive, but it's not really crazy. Yeah. So when you when you're trying to beat them back to bed, because I know a lot of guys start talking about it, like you got to beat the bucks back, and you know it's nearly impossible. Like, <laughs> I mean, how early are you getting in to do that? Sometimes in the mountains. I find even around here, actually, I should say, just in general, every deer I've shot in the morning, well, pretty much all my deer are, are morning kills except for two. All my mature deer are morning kills. Um, they come back anywhere from 7.15 to 7.45, 8 o'clock range. It don't matter if it's the mountains, uh, the big woods, you know, hill country. Um, the only place that, that doesn't ring true is the salt like heavy pressure salt marsh. Like they're in there, you know, way before uh, daylight. Uh, so that, that that's a tricky endeavor, salt yep. marsh. Yeah, because, I but mean, you're I probably find, not quiet at all trying to get through that stuff, are you? No, no. Uh, it, some spots I can do it with, you know, the canoe, or, you know, ride the tide, and, which is difficult because certain, certain areas are good in October, certain areas are good in November and you got to get the right moon, the right tide, the right wind. Everything's got to line up, which is, you know, it's pure luck basically. Like, like last year I didn't, yeah, I, I waited to hunt these two spots and I never got nothing. I didn't, couldn't get the right wind or the right tide for a morning hunt. So it's a, I know if I could have got it, I probably would have killed something, but to have the stars aligned perfectly was, you know, asking too much, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you talk about you talk about killing uh, basically all your mature bucks in the morning. Now I'm the exact opposite, Justin. I don't know about you. What is what is yours? Daylight or uh, morning or evening? Um, I've always preferred morning hunts. Um, I I don't really think there's any specific difference. Um, I just feel like I just feel like I'm hunting more. Being out there to see the sunrise, right? I don't know. It's kind of have you killed more of your mature you get, you bucks know? in the morning? Oh man, I bet. I, honestly, I bet it's even. 
Really? I don't I can't think of every every instance but so Greg why why are you thinking that you kill all yours in the morning? I have no idea. It, ever since <laughs> ever since I started hunting uh you know probably no I, I guess I've had more success in the morning even from the beginning like my first deer ever killed I killed at night but every other deer I I think like for the first three or four years of me hunting outside of that, that first deer I killed, most of them were morning. And I don't know if I just gravitated towards that. Uh, you know, like you said, because you see the sunrise or whatever, I, I, I don't really know. It just works for me. And in the evening, like I'll see deer, they get up out of bed to come to me and then it gets dark. And to me, like I'd rather, that's the worst because usually how I hunt, if the deer's coming out, the jig is up, he's going to bust me, he's going to smell me, catch my wind or whatever, and that spot's you know, over with. So I think morning, uh, I just I just gravitate towards that. I don't know if it's like subconsciously, I put more effort into morning hunts, mm-hmm. you know, better access, or put more, you know, a thought process into it. Uh, I don't really have good data to back it up. Yeah, and that's I'm just curious because I'm with you both you um, on that. I I prefer mornings, but I've killed majority of my like mature or bigger bucks in the evening. But I think, and Justin, I think what you were getting probably getting ready to say when I cut you off rudely there was <laughs> was uh, it's all right. That, Let it slide. <laughs> that I I feel like when I get in the morning, it's just like you're almost beating the nature like up, like you're getting in there, like slipping in the back door and you feel like you're quiet and like you can get in and just things like move naturally. Now, when I go in the evening, you're usually walking through and just, you feel like you're disturbing things. You feel like you're walking on eggshells all the time. So I feel like personally, I just feel that I'm probably scaring shit out of there. Yeah. I, I know. I also think like in the morning I've used some failed morning attempts and got Intel either walking out and be like, Oh, they're hitting, they're hunting over here. Well, I got a, I got a bed over here or I got a spot over here. It's a good morning spot. And I think I use because, you know, walking in the evening, I don't know if I'm, I, I don't walk as slow. Like when I'm leaving the woods from in the morning, you know, getting back to the truck or the canoe, I seem to still hunt. But like when I go in the evening, it's like, well, it's, they're already in their bed, so I can just blow this area out and like I, I I move too fast. I don't really scout or scan as well as I do in the morning. Like in the morning, I'll, I'll I said I'll I'll still hunt like a motherfucker, you know. <laughs> yeah. But in the evening, I'm like, in, in the evening, I'm late. Oh, I got here to hurry up the tide change and do this, and the wind. I'll just go, you know. Yep. And I just kind of get in in a hurry a lot. Yeah, I, I always feel like. Number one, I can get away with a lot more in the morning. Like as long as I'm on time, which very rarely happens. But if I'm if I'm hauling in a bunch of shit, like stands, camera gear, all that stuff, like if I do it in the dark, I know I'm fine. They can't see you. They if they if they smell you, they smell you. It doesn't matter if it's yeah. day or nighttime. You can get away with more. I feel like in the dark, and then for me, it's like the anticipation of knowing that the first hour and a half is probably going to be the best of the hunt. Yeah. For me, it's like let's get this over with. Like now, it's now or never. Like as time goes on, it's probably going to get 
slower. Whereas when you go yeah. into an afternoon hunt, you got to like sneak in there. You know, you're like, get I'm, I'm making too much noise. Am I picking the right stand? Am I going to the right ridge or whatever? Mm-hmm. Then you set all the stuff up, you get up in there and it's like, okay, now I got to sit here and wait for prime time. Like the anticipation yeah. has to build towards the end of the hunt. Whereas in the morning, it's like right off the bat. Yeah. I, I, I can uh, agree with that. And I think also too, like in the evening hunts, I'll, I know I want to hunt this one spot and I'll see like good sign. I'm like, yes, yeah, I'm a hunt here. Top sign. And as soon as I climb up and trade all stuff, I'm like, and you look over the other island and you see like deer get up and like go where you would have went. And you're like, Hmm. Yep. Yeah. I was going to have went right there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But like I said, in, in the dark, you, your spots, already planned out like your interest your exit you know how you're getting in there what time you're getting in there so you can't right. be distracted because you got a singular focus on that one tree or one spot yeah yeah definitely i agree on that i i just <laughs> i i find it and i think a lot of guys probably out there find this too but morning mornings are so tough to get up <laughs> you know and it's like it, it could be, it, it's literally like getting your feet off of your bed to the floor is like the toughest part about getting up. You know what I mean? Once you're up for me, yeah. I'm like, okay, we're good. Here we go. You know, but, um, I don't know. It's, I, I prefer mornings. I try to hunt as many mornings as I can, but, uh, yeah. it's, it, I, I think with, with morning, you know, from years of, of getting programmed by, you know, different avenues of, you know, media, be it, you know, TV, videos, or magazines. Mature bucks in the mornings are difficult to hunt. And I think a lot of people have been programmed that it's hard to kill mature deer in the morning. I agree, man. Where, I couldn't agree you know, more. Because I tell I'll, people all the time, it's like, and even here, I mean, I I target the worst, you know, I call it, I'm, I'm hunting unicorns. I literally target, I hunt the most pressure areas possible like i don't i'm an idiot i guess i I make it as harder than it needs to be because uh i'm an idiot pretty much i think but or you like a challenge (laughs) yeah or i just but these deer they they grow up pressured they they know where these hunters park walk in same ladder stand same hang on jersey where you're allowed to bait so same bait pile these mature deer know that and they just alter their movement they're still there you know uh, they don't really change what, yeah they, they don't change what they did they can't get up and move you know like oh i'm buying a new house somewhere else like certain spots there's nowhere else to go and some of these salt marsh spots you know they're thousands of acres of salt marsh well they just move down or yeah. move an island over like they don't really change what they do they just alter their movement to avoid said area yeah, yeah. that one I riddled in that Aaron was talking about earlier, I killed him 200 yards in a parking lot. Yeah, yeah, like I same thing. Yeah, like in the mountains. I understand I, your, I understand your logic. It's yeah, find the overlooked uh, places, and because like you said, those bucks will just the mature bucks, they'll just put their head on the ground and let you walk by. Yep, I mean I, I learned that from hunting the pine bears in Jersey here, like doing drives, like doing shotgun season when I used to gun hunt. Yep. And you would literally have to step on a, on a mature buck. Like, I literally was all, literally run over by a mature buck. You know, like, I was looking, there was these does bedded down in this laurel, and I went to try and kick them out, 
And then this buff just kind of, he was with him, but he just looped around and pretty much like pushed me down and, and was, you know, off to the races basically. But these deer were literally like, you have to kick them. They just don't move. Because yeah, they know gun season, people are driving. They're going to go this way. When they go back, they just get up and they go back the other way. You know? Yeah. I think people give oh, deer, yeah. yeah, I think people give deer too much credit like they're some mythical creature. They're not. Yeah, they're they're predictable. They're, yeah. they're creatures of habit. That's. I mean, talking about drives. That's. I grew up hunting drives in New York, so it's like. Yeah. How, how many times do you hear, you know, someone comes across the radio? It's like. Nice buck running back into the drive. You know, like they mm-hmm. see the sitters and they turn around and go back in. It's like. And they're doing the same I, thing they do once they get shot. They just do a big circle, try to get back around you, and. Yeah. And. Uh, it amazed me years, guys on the Pine Barrens. They do the same drive. It, it, they're just like stand hunters. They do yeah, the same, same way direction, every time. The same, yeah. And these people <laughs> know that. And it's like, we're doing this the same way every time. Like, we're not going to change it up. We're going to cross. The, uh, all right. And we never killed a big deer in drive, ever. Ever. There's always just this. You shoot the little, you know, fork and horns and little six pointers. You know? <laughs> yeah. The big bucks were never killed on a drive. And it's like, hmm. Don't you probably walked. You walked. You walked past them. <laughs> they were all yeah, exactly. held up. Right, and then you got you've got the people that are like the first time. I wouldn't say first time hunters, but you bring somebody into the group, and it's like your buddy or your cousin or whatever your in laws, and it's like, oh, I'm going to bring Jim over here, and uh, I'm going to I'm going to put him on the you know the second from the end as a sitter, and I'll show him where to go. And it's like he doesn't know the land. He's walking through the woods saying, well, where the hell am I? Like, is this the creek? Is that the rock? Is you know, is that the big oak tree? He's like, I don't know. I'm just going to, this looks good. And he's sitting someplace probably different than the guys who know the drive would be, and that's the guy who shoots the deer. Yep. Uh, I can definitely, uh, been there, seen it, seen it numerous times. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and I agree with, you know, Greg there saying, you we give deer too much credit, which is 100%. I mean, you know, we, I feel like we as hunters, and we've talked about this before, is like, it's got to be this like magic, you know, certain formula to kill a buck. Like it's got to be this and this and this and this ridge and this saddle and uh, this far off bedding kills a buck. But like realistically, are deer just like really nomadic? And, you know, all three of us talking here have had totally different, you know, scenarios and totally different um, opinions on what we went through. You know what I mean? So like, Greg, you've mm-hmm. shot bucks literally laying down your bed. I've never done that. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, you know, I've shot a, I've shot a four-year-old buck on a field edge, a bean field edge here in Michigan when I walked, you know, in the morning through a wide open field like everybody says you're not supposed to, got in my stand on the edge of a field and shot one that morning you know, a four year old. And it's like, everybody tells you to do this one thing or do this thing. And you're not supposed to do this. Like there's this big thing always been going around that you can't, or, you know, you won't really see a lot of deer movement or kill a mature buck on a morning hunt after a full moon. I know numerous guys that have killed really big deer after a full moon, you know, and it's just, 
I don't know. I just feel like a lot of guys, in me included, probably you guys included, that it's like that I we can only talk about how like what we went through and our experiences, and maybe that might help someone else. I guess you know. Um, yeah, I, I agree, hundred percent. I don't know. I just I just feel like hunters in general it, are just what gets them in a trap and probably not successful is just your own thoughts, your own thoughts and, and second guessing yourself and all that shit. And, and I think oh, too yeah. now the, the age of, of content everywhere, a lot of people regurgitate somebody else's words without ever actually doing what they're talking about. Right. Yep. They, they, they watch a few videos and, and, Oh, this is the way it's done. It's like, you've obviously never really done this because there's numerous ways to get it done. You know, like my ways is super aggressive. People look at me like I got six heads, but I'm a high, high risk taker, you know, even outside of hunting. Like I, I kind of push the envelope in in a lot of different ways where my buddy, he's so conservative. He overthinks himself on everything that he does, but hunting wise or shooting wise, like it's like, he's such a good woodsman. But when it comes time to like, all right, I'm gonna. This is a kill setup. He will always take himself out of that that spot, and it's like, dude, but he just can't get it to work, and it's so frustrating for me because it's like he's so good at what he does, but he can't, you know, finish the deal. Yeah, yeah. and that's why it's frustrating. It, it really is, and that's why Justin and I we talk about our own experiences and try to shed light a little bit on that because. I mean, we've even said it before. We don't want to be known as like thinking we're experts by any means because I'm not at all, you know, but that's like we, we like to have guys on like you. I've never hunted a salt marsh before. I've never really hunted a lot of buck beds before. So like talking to you, you know, people might get a little something out of this. I don't know, you know, or just like to hear our sultry voices, I guess. Exactly. My my sexy radio voice. There you go. I, I do say in New Jersey, this guy must take his coffee to the stand with him. Fucking <laughs> car out in the yard. That's Boston. That, That's I was going to say, you got a lot of Boston in that. Oh, man. <laughs> My New Jersey accent goes to Boston as well because I just yeah. I can't do it, man. You guys are – it's like Pittsburgh. You know, they call it the – what is it, the Yinzers and the Pittsburghese or something. It's literally its own language when you go to Pittsburgh. It's unbelievable. Well, see, I, I don't think I have an accent, and then I hear my buddies from, like, Western PA. They hang out, and I'm like, God, you guys are, like, country, but not. And they're like, You're, you talk funny. I'm like, really? I talk funny? I'm like, it's so weird. Yeah. To kind of do a transition here, we're talking about, you know, doing things differently and, and just, you know, kind of gravitating towards you said you're more of aggressive guy you know what i mean and talking about hunting buck beds and i really haven't done that a lot of our salt marshes but you're doing something this year that you've never done in your life right i mean you're starting to run trail cams that's crazy for greg litzinger yeah (laughs) exactly well that that life from time of life does that to you um i don't i don't have just random time to uh, i just spend every day at the work in the woods because well, I got wife and kids, and now with this whole COVID thing and, and schoolwork, I, I, I got to get home and make sure my wife can finish her job and, you know, and have some peace and quiet. So it's been a, 
a hard challenge for me to get the time in the woods. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have to camera it up this year. And I'm specifically trying to find a deer worth chasing in October. Uh, so I would just, out of sheer you know, time spent in the woods, I'd kill because I'd hunt almost every day. Now I'm limited to what I can hunt. So I don't want to hunt an area five times and never see a deer. I can put cameras out and know there's a 140 or something caliber deer, then I'll, I'll, I'll hunt that area. If not, I'm not going to hunt there. Like I'm not going to waste my time. Uh, I'm, I really want to just target mature deer and uh, just really just time. Yep. So you're basically just going to use them for like one inventory, but two, just figuring out if you even want to go into that piece or even waste your time. Yep. yep. And I camera bombed, uh, you know, slowly stockpiling cameras from cheap throwaways, a couple good ones. Cause I, I lose, I mean, last year I lost two cameras year before. I think I lost three. So I don't buy anything super expensive unless, you know, uh, I get a good deal on it, basically. Yep. Because I, I know I'm going to lose a few cameras and just let them soak this summer and uh, camera bomb. You know, not just from one, one or two cameras in the area spots I hunt or I know I've se- I've seen deer spotlighting before. I'll just camera bomb the shit out of it mm-hmm. and let it. I'll pull them in July and maybe something's there. You know, if there is, maybe I'll 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 pull some more out and and check them. Because our oaks around here start dropping like middle of September sometimes, and that really alters deer movement. You're like, yeah, I'm on this deer, and then they just disappear because oaks are dropping a mile away. I'm sure that's a, a pretty pretty common across the country. Oh man, uh, it's it is like up here. I my family farm. It we've got an oak tree. I mean, it's one of the biggest white oak trees I've ever seen, but it's been on the property forever and. It was like three years ago, we actually had, I had a stand close by, I mean, you could see it. I had probably 12 does, single file, go right to that tree and eat the whole night. And I'm thinking like, what the hell? You know, Mm -hmm. like you knew that oak tree Mm -hmm. was over there, but it was like after a little bit of investigation, you go to that stand, you'll see deer go right to that tree as like a bait pile on good oak oak tree or acorn years, good acorn years. You'll see them single file over there. It's pretty cool. And, uh, and like, even like some of the spots I hunt, we get a lot of persimmons, uh, and some years they're heavier than others. And the years that they're, they're everywhere, it makes it difficult to hunt because, uh, persimmons, anybody's, I don't know if you, you guys have them. No, yeah, know I, what persimmon not is? that I know of. No. I, I don't think per, there is persimmons in Michigan. I, I don't think. Yeah. But those things are, I mean, they're actually good when you get a couple of cold, cold mornings and those things get sugared up. Those deer will just—it's uh, only a couple of days, like an oak tree, you know, a couple of days, and, and they're gone. But they're everywhere. There's deer just everywhere. There's no like rhyme or reason why they're bedding. They'll just bed right underneath persimmon trees, and uh, you know, heavy, heavy. You, you want heavy mist uh, seasons, but at the same time, it's frustrating because deer are like, "Oh, I can eat whatever I want." Right. It's like a catch twenty-two. And- yeah, heavy mist, heavy acorns, and. You don't see deer for weeks sometimes because you're trying to find the right tree where they're eating. <laughs> yeah, and like they, 
are nomadic then. It's like, you don't know where the heck they're going to be. Do I pick the right yeah. oak tree or the right persimmon tree? Are the persimmons, mm-hmm. are they those little yellow balls? Yeah, little orange-yellow balls. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or orange, yeah. I So yeah. I, I've never seen any in Michigan, but we do have them on our Kansas lease. Um, yeah. But, but it's like what I've seen of them there, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, – it's like a three-day or four-day cycle. Like, the, like for three days, they'll be great, and then I don't know if it gets cold or something and it kills them. Does that sound right? Yeah. I mean, they'll eat them when they fall treated. They rot. They'll get soft and eat them. But yep. they're super, super bitter. And if if the persimmons is hold until, like, the first frost, which can be difficult for us because we don't really get cold till late, uh, you get a couple cold Octobers, those things will turn, get real sugary. We almost, like I've eaten them, you know, you, you, you see them fall, you get it just right. If you eat them when they're sat, like, not ripe, it's the worst thing in the world. It takes, it's horrible. It's the, the best trick to do is give that to a, a new hunter. Here, eat this. It's delicious. <laughs> it's not really delicious. It's not ripe. It's the worst taste in the world. But you, you get them when they're just ripe. I mean, it, it, it's candy. It, it's delicious, actually. Yeah, that's cool. I think some people call them Osage trees, don't they? Is it the same thing? Osage? Mm, I don't know. Oh, no, never mind. I'm wrong. That's a big I know what you're talking about. Yeah, those things. I've I've hunted an area where those things were all over the place, and people used to hunt all over because they think the deer would smash them and eat them. I've never seen a deer eat them. What is an Osage? No, I... They scare the shit out of you when they fall. Like, you'd be sitting there, it's dead quiet, and then it sounds like a bowling ball gets dropped out of your tree stand. Oh, you're talking about yeah. it like a hedge apple tree. Yeah, oh, yeah okay. that's what I was thinking of. I know of it as a hedge, hedge I actually, apple. I had, to, I had to Google it while you were talking about it, so I asked <laughs> the question. <laughs> Those hedge apples, I remember the first time I ever saw one. It was like 2011, 2012 or something in Illinois morning hunt first time ever uh, and like like justin said you hear this like big it's it's dark out sounds like somebody mm-hmm. dropped a bowling ball and i'm like what the yeah. fuck was that you know and all of a sudden it gets daylight and you see like all these yellow softballs but a lot heavier than mm-hmm. a softball yeah. and i'm like whoa what is you know and then you bust one yeah. open and they're all like flaky and stuff like that yeah. kinda, they're all over not here in michigan but out west they're all over and I, I mean, they're good ankle breakers too. Like I've oh, yeah. rolled your ankles on those things in the dark. You're just like, well, you better stay away from you. You got a, you got a bum wing. You don't need a bum wheel. You yeah, exactly. <laughs> stay, stay away from that. He's gonna be on crutches, and he's gonna have an arm on a sling, and he's got a crossbow yeah. just limping well, out there. Well, that you know, was a few years ago, like I, I thought of a tree had a, had a nasty tree stand accident where. Uh, I was in the hospital for a week and a half, uh, shattered you know, tibia plateau and plates and screws. And my first day of the doctors, I said, yes, you can walk without crutches. I literally took my climber out in the morning and it ended up killing a buck that morning. I walked 150 yards from the road and I thought I was going to die for the first time walking without crutches. I climbed up my climber three months after having major leg surgery <laughs> with a climber, climbed up and then, you know, I shot this big seven pointer, a little eight pointer, but, uh, and literally like, I was in the stand like 30 minutes oh and gosh. I was so exhausted. I was in so much pain trying to stand up and shoot, shoot him. My left leg, I thought it was just going to like fall off. It was the worst, worst thing in the world. Like 
trying to climb down. I was, I was in so much pain because it was like messing <laughs> up my knee, trying to lift up. But it was like the greatest pain in the world because I literally killed a deer in, in 30 minutes after thinking my whole season or my whole life was going to be altered. And my body's allowed to come out and drag it, which I think that was the greatest thing because it was a big body. <laughs> 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 really appreciate your help, guys. I'm sorry I can't help you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> then you got to sit back and tell them how to do it. Like, I wouldn't do it that way. I'd do it this way. <laughs> yeah. They, they felt bad. They got it from everything. I mean, I can get used to this. Is like doing like going to an outfitter. Gotta, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, go over here and go up. And I shoot you guys. Take care of the rest. I'll be at the house drinking coffee. Do you anything? <laughs> yeah, it's, that's awesome. It's a buddy of mine from high school. He, he got in a motorcycle accident the summer he graduated college. So he, he wrecked his motorcycle like the first week of June, ended up getting his leg amputated below the knee, and uh, he was in a tree stand in October. Shot a deer with his bow in Holy October cow. with one leg. <laughs> yeah, and, that's unbelievable. Uh, what, like my my injury was to get in the woods was a, like a, a drive for me. Like it gave me a, like a, a purpose to you know yeah, go something to therapy to and achieve. Yeah, because yeah, I mean I. I got out of hospital. I mean, I had hospital bed here. I was literally having like, nurses come check in on me. It was it was a, a, a dark time, like mentally, and just thinking about being yeah. in the woods, you know, kind of got me out of that funk because the first month, I man, it was it was like middle of August when I fell, and it was the first time I ever missed opening day. I was really down in the you know, down in the dumps, but just thinking about deer and getting in there, it, you know, kind of pulled my head out of my ass. I was like, you're going out. See what the doctor says. And even the doctor was like, you're going to do, go out and look anyway. I'm like, probably, yeah. Um, <laughs> probably. Yeah. I was like, I got a brace on, and I'll go, if I got to go out and crutch another cane, I, I will. He's like, he was just shaking his head. He's like, it's your leg. <laughs> yep. That's crazy, man. I, I wouldn't expect anything less from you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of dumb. Like I said, stupid idiot, whatever you want to call it, but I'm I'm a determined idiot, which I don't know if it's worse, being an idiot or a determined idiot. <laughs> You're driven. Yeah. There you go. You're driven, and you got an aggressive mentality, so that might be a recipe for disaster. <laughs> yeah. My, my daughter, I, she, she'll, she'll be two here. Uh, there's so many similarities between her and I. My wife is looking at me. She's like, she's just like you. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's funny like she jumps off the couch like she thinks it's funny to jump off the couch like today we went to my buddy's pool she's never been really in a pool she's jumping off the deck into my arms and I'm like <laughs> like my you know she's like jumping into me like I didn't think she was going to do it and then she was getting mad I wasn't putting her back up on the deck so she can jump in this went on, this went on for like two hours I was like I'm exhausted she just kept going like screaming have a good old time I'm like oh god it's going to be the death of me, little girl. It sounds like oh. my daughter. She's going to be three in August, and she has no fear. No fear. Yeah. I have a racing quad, and and <laughs> we get on that, and she just wants to go fast. I mean, I'll hit the gears as fast as I can hit them, and she just wants to go faster. <laughs> and I'm like, geez, okay. I'm basically driving one arm because I'm holding on to yeah. her, and I'm like, she just loves it. Yeah. So. Uh... And like my daughter loves deer. Like watch, I put elk on, like elk bugling. She goes nuts. She calls them deer, and she like she'll sit and watch. You know, 
the white tail drone DVDs with me because it's a lot going on. It keeps it entertained, and she just glued to the TV. It just loves it. And like my stepdaughter, she's like, eh, man. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't really show, doesn't really show an interest into it. But like my daughter, like she says, loves yeah. deer. She sees deer in the road. She's like, deer. My 3D targets in the back. She's like, deer. You know, it's just, it's, it's pretty cool. Yep, that's awesome. Fun age right now. They're at fun age. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to talk. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. We're coming up on an hour here. I want to kind of get you off here and Justin's actually got a big trip he's going to be leaving for right after we get off this so I want to be able to get him on the road where's he going he I'm headed to Montana headed to Montana pronghorn nope uh, bear Black bear bear. <laughs> bear oh yeah yeah uh, spot and stalk yeah yeah public land my yep my wife and I are going out we're, we're camping for a week and just gonna hike and See what we can find. See what we get into. You, you, what do you? Uh, is it bow or rifle? Or you either or. It's either or, but we only have a week, and you know, we're we're taking rifles. Yeah. So you uh, just, you bring a sidearm with you, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's. What, what do you What do you take out there? Uh, I'm just taking a forty. That's all I got. I got a forty and a forty-five, but. Uh, I don't have any big, any big hip cannons that I really towed around. I'm debating about pulling the trigger on a 10 millimeter if I go to Montana. If my shoulder's good, uh, yeah, I can shoot them more accurate than, like I said, those cannons. 454s yeah. and everything—it's just too much. I'm a little guy; I can't handle those guns. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's not worth it. It's. I think a 40 with. I just use. Um, you know, just full metal jacket rounds, like just good penetrating rounds, and it's a Glock, so you can beat the shit out of it. Yeah, flat nose and flat nose, hard cast, and hope for the best. <laughs> yep, pretty much, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. But I'm not worried. I'm not too worried, honestly. It's I'm aware. I'll, I'll tell you that much. I am definitely bear aware. I just I don't know. I'm not looking over my shoulder every five steps. Yeah, I said it's just if you're just like I said aware of your surroundings, usually you're you're good. It's the people that get in the la la land that have issues, right? That is for sure. Yeah. Well, Greg, it's not going to be a no. You've got a long drive. You need to stay awake. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Greg, I appreciate you coming on, man, and doing this on kind of short notice. It's always good talking to you. Yeah, always. Well, cool. Uh, I guess I, last question I had for you, I think, right before we do cut it loose here, is like, what's your plans this fall? I mean, for hunts, are you just going to stick around New Jersey and and hopefully- PA Western Western PA Mountain, uh, New Jersey Mountain? That might might be on hold. The Jersey one, because uh, I got to buy a permit. Jersey is the way their seasons run. You got to buy a permit. The two areas I plan on hunting, they're kind of, I need two permits because it kind of covers two areas. And I'm like, they're 25 hours a piece or whatever. So it's like, I might skip out in Jersey Mountain, just do the Western PA and then uh, Montana if possible. Yep. Well, cool, man. Uh, Good luck on those. Hopefully you can get it done. And hopefully actually you can even get in the woods this year. Yeah. Like I said, Monday I go see a specialist and we'll get a game plan 
There you go, man. Just tell them to hold off if you can until after season. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Give, give it right around the middle of December because that's their busiest time at work. Ah, the, I gotta get cut. There December. you go. Oh my god. There you go. <laughs> well, cool, man. Thanks again for doing this. Appreciate it. Yeah. Good luck on your uh, bear hunt, man. Hey, thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. See you guys later, bud. Have a good one. And there you have it, everybody. Greg Litzinger, the bow hunting fiend from New Jersey. Thanks to him for coming on. We've had him on before, and it's always good catching up with him. So appreciate him doing that. And thank you guys for all the downloads, all the support, and all the five-star ratings and the reviews. That's much appreciated. Uh, I'm going to remind you again, though. Go on iTunes, leave a five-star rating and a review. That would be awesome thank you very much and i'm gonna leave you guys with that because this interview went a little bit longer so i'm gonna leave you with that and hopefully everybody has a great week and we'll see you right here next week on fall podcast Miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.